Hello and thank you for tuning in once again to the Reptile Living Room. I am your host as always, John F. Taylor. And today we are brought to you by the Las Vegas Reptile Show at GetReptiles.com. It's happening uh, May 14th and 15th. Uh, so make sure to get yourself out to Vegas, check it out. It's going to be at the Santa Fe Hotel and Casino out there in Las Vegas. And I mean, really guys and girls, what excuse better do you need to go to Vegas besides the Reptile Show? I mean, you're gambling... You're, you know, bar hopping, going to the clubs. Want to pick up a hotel while you're out there. You know you want to go. Grab the kids, grab the family, head on out to Vegas. Saturday, uh, May 14th, and Sunday, May 15th. GetReptiles.com. And this is continuing, uh, today's episode is continuing on our series called Fear of Snakes. And in today's episode, we are speaking with none other than Dr. Katie McKinnon, uh, anthropologist, primatologist, to explain to us why monkeys and primate species, which we are primates whether you like it or not, we're an ape. We might be naked, but we're still apes. Uh, anyway, to uh, get back to Dr. McKinnon, she talks to us about the behaviors of primates in the wild, uh, what they do when they encounter snakes, and just covers a whole heck of a lot of ground with different behavioral aspects that we share uh, with our cousins or uncles or, you know, Everybody has an ape in the family. But anyway, back to the show, folks. Here is Dr. Katie McKinnon with The Fear of Snakes. So we're on the uh, phone with uh, Katie talking about uh, The Fear of Snakes. And uh, basically give us a little bit of your, uh, I guess your background would be the best way to put it, as far as uh, some of the degrees that you have. <laughs> <laughs> some of the degrees. Um, well, they're all kind of redundant. They're all anthropology degrees. But um Basically, I'm, a, I'm an anthropology professor, and uh, my spe- subspecialty within anthropology is biological anthropology, although I like all the other areas, too, like cultural and archaeology, etc. And then within biological anthropology, I study the non-human primates, among other things, and particularly a group of monkeys in Central and South America called capuchin monkeys. The genus is Cebus. So I run around the forest noting their behavior and fun stuff like that and get to travel to, to lots of really neat places and then during the um, academic year I teach courses in anthropology at St. Louis University. Damn, that's, that would be a nice job to have, <laughs> I must say. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty good gig, yeah. Running around hanging out with monkeys, that would be... That's right, and see lots of cool herbs, so... This is very true, this is very yeah. true. Now, you recently went and actually took a vacation to Portugal. Yeah, it was actually a conference, but it was a pretty nice place. Oh, okay. Okay, conference, <laughs> vacation, you know, whatever. Yep, yep. So, um, yeah, Africa's coming up, Nicaragua, so, yeah, constant, wow. constant things. But, yeah, I didn't see any herbs in Portugal. I looked a couple days, uh, oh, but it was okay. cold, so. Right. Uh, actually, I think I saw far away, I saw a little, it was like a scalopper, like a fence lizard or something on a wall. That, that was about this exotic. All right. In uh, Portugal. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and no monkeys, but you know, no monkeys. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like I said, we're going to talk about the uh, fear of snakes now. As far as in your experience, and this is something I've seen, um, of course, on some of the National Geographic channels and what have you, and I'm sure it was over exaggerated, but you know, figured I'd ask anyway. Where does the snake and fear of snakes fit into, I guess, primate culture, whether it be human or human primate or other primate, I guess. Sure, sure. Non-human primate or human primate. Um, right. No, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. And, it, you know, sometimes 
I think it, it does get overblown, but um, I'm actually mellowing in my old age about this. So um, I used to be kind of reactionary against that, just um, the notion that inherently we were hardwired to be, you know, afraid of anything that that moved and looked like a like a snake. And so um, I said I'm softening on that because there, there has been some really interesting work done lately. Um, a couple of the books that you and I have talked about, John, mm-hmm. um, but looking at kind of this evolutionary perspective on how, um, you know, way back when and today, it's it's actually beneficial to to have a, a fear of something that can, you know, realistically kill you if right. you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. And so, you know, primates among mammals have an amazing sense of vision and, um, you know, our sense of smell is is long lost uh, compared to our dogs and most other mammals, but our vision is really acute, and we're really good at, at close-up detail and and sorting out things in this 3D, you know, complex context. And so, you know, some of the thinking now is that um, the the visual acuity that we have kind of went hand in hand with um, predator avoidance, um, and the main things that get primates um, back, you know, back then and, and today are are raptors, carnivores, and snakes, um, constrictors and, and venomous snakes. And, um, of course, venomous snakes, um, and con- well, more earlier than that, constrictors go way back in the fossil record, way before right. carnivores and uh, raptors came about. So, and, and back in around the time of, of the earliest primates, around 65-plus million years ago. So, so there is this, this um, you know, body of literature now that, that really looks at that. I said I used to, to not... You know, agree that we are, you know, hardwired. I don't like the term hardwired, but mainly because my own personal experience. So I'm not scared of snakes. Um, I never was, never have been. Um, You know, I've kept them my whole life. When I'm in the forest, um, there's some of the things that I love seeing, and I go after them to take pictures. And you know, so so personally, and it's a sample size of one, um, but I have a few other (laughs) primatology primatology friends, um, male and female, who who feel this way too. I I never experienced it, but that doesn't mean that you know. In an evolutionary context, that it you know it, it's it's not valid. I just think that there's a lot of um, like everything we do, a lot of plasticity and, and flexibility with our behavior, and a lot of it takes place in a learned social context. And I didn't get that message right. um, to kind of maybe reinforce the underlying you know very beneficial thing of being scared of you know a big both rocks asper or you know whatever when you're out there, and particularly in Africa too, where you've got the the really big bad vipers, you know, Very batters, those guys. So, so yeah, I mean, that's, it, it can get sensationalized, you know, and it makes for good copy and good show when you've got, you know, some um, dramatic stuff with, with venomous snakes and, and people freaking out. But, um, you know, there's a lot of cross-cultural variation too, but, but generally, um, particularly in developing countries um, and particularly in the tropics, you know, a couple kids get taken by anacondas every year, so it's you know it's a very it's a very you know that was something I actually thing. want to ask you about is because you are extremely well traveled, you know, and people hear stories of course, and once again it's sensationalized. You know, the guy that was I think the one version I saw was the guy being cut out of the anaconda when he fell asleep in South America drilling for oil or whatever. Right, right, right. And it's like you know, it, it later was proved. Well, I shouldn't say proven. It was later alleged that they had caught a large anaconda and paid this guy X amount of dollars to crawl inside of it to make it, right. you know. So, now you and I both have heard firsthand accounts of, like you said, pe- kids, typically, in my experience anyway, of uh, being snatched off of a trail in Africa or out of a boat in 
you know, South America or off a riverbank by yeah. either a, a crocodile or caiman or, you know, some type of reptile. And yeah. it's part of life. It just, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, it sucks, obviously. But, you know, <laughs> but it happens and everybody's like, oh, well, you know, okay, move on. You know, we get so lost in our kind of, you know, plastic developed world kind of thing. And not that there aren't things out there that could kill us in the, the woods of the, the states or whatever, but, but we're really removed from a lot of the day-to-day predation risks right. that most people on the planet face, you know, like uh-huh. hippos and, and elephants kill more people in, in Africa than, than cats. So, you know, there's, there's yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're just, we have this... You know, as anyone does in any country, that kind of view that, you know, your experience is, is the norm when, when it's not, so. Right, right. Now, have you done any travel over in India at all? No, I would love to get there one day, but I have not. Okay. Yet, so. Yeah, because I really want to talk uh, um, to people who have encountered that, uh, that I guess you'd call it uh, subculture over there, that, you know, basically their whole life revolves around actual, you know, interaction with snakes. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah. you know, you don't see these people freaking out at all, you know? <laughs> this right, is their job. Right. Yeah, and that's, you know, really interesting thing you just brought up, John, is, is the kind of physicality to it all. And, and you know, I see this in, in primates a lot, too, if you travel around and you see people in countries that have grown up with primates, um, you know, stealing food out of their cupboard or, you know, on their front lawn. I mean, there's they're part of the, right. the environment. Like, you know, I always tell my students, you know, imagine... You know, the way we see squirrels on, on campus jumping out of the garbage cans, imagine that was a rhesus monkey. You know, that's not kind of how, right. how it is um, in many parts of the world. And so growing up with, like you mentioned, you know, like the, the snake charmers and just seeing how they move with the cobra, mm-hmm. they they know their animals so well and they know how to, to re- they read each other. Um, and right. that's, you see that too with primates. So, you know, if you go to... Um, there's uh, many sites in, I've been to Bali, and um, and there's some uh, really amazing uh, monkey temple sites. There are these uh, Hindu temples where, where monkeys are, um, you know, cherished, they're religious right, icons, right. And, and they're, you know, they're sometimes a pain in the butt, but no one's going to shoot them, they're revered, you know, the whole thing. And so mm-hmm. the, seeing Indonesians, the way they physically act around pr- those monkeys, um, macaques, usually long-tailed macaques, is very different from Western tourists, like mm-hmm. people from the States or Australia, who, you know, scream and jump back, and, you know, they have their mouth open, which is kind of a, you know, not kind of, but it's a threat to the primate. It's a threat to a primate, right, okay. Yeah, and so that, that physically relating to, and you know, the, the organisms in your environment is really striking with those, those uh, the cobra. Handlers, yeah, because I've seen some of, um, and again, referring back to National Geographic again, some of these, um, I don't even know what kind of monkeys they were. They were running around on rooftops and, like you said, stealing food right out of, you know, people's uh-huh. hands. And people yep. are just like, oh, damn, that sucked. <laughs> you yeah. know, where, you know, most Americans would be chasing the thing down, running, you know, trying yeah. to beat it or something. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got, you know, Thumbs, and that's that's just no good with, in a smart primate. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, we've Hold made that painfully down. obvious, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, I, mean, I don't think people want to confront a seventy-pound langur monkey or a big baboon. Those guys are pretty formidable. But yeah, the smaller guys, you know. Well, you know, even the smaller ones kind of freak me out a little bit because they're just too damn <laughs> quick. You know, I've been around, you know, I've been to the zoos and stuff like that, and I, I've not been one of these kids that ever went in and, you know, stuck my finger in the cage and got bit or anything. Uh-huh. But just watching how they interact with each other, 
I'm like, yeah, yeah no, I'm good. Because <laughs> you're exactly. way faster than I am, and you'd probably beat me. <laughs> They are, they are. Now, being very clever, um, something I've seen before when, and I'm completely off base on what monkey it was, or what uh, species of monkey it was, there was monkeys foraging somewhere in the, um, I want to say grasslands or something, something of that nature, and a large constrictor came up and just showed up on the scene. Wasn't, you know, uh, threatening in any way or anything like that. Uh-huh. Everybody scattered, ran up the trees, started grabbing rocks and things and throwing them at it. Uh-huh. Have you seen this before? Yeah, I, it, those were probably, um, just from your description, um, apart from the throwing rock thing, they might have been vervets or patas monkeys, which are okay. common um, African uh, primates that live in, in woodlands and shrubland and, and grasslands. So, um, yeah, that's another thing you know about, about snakes as predators is that... Um, well, let's say we're talking about constrictors. Right. Or even vipers. I mean, they're not like other, you know, like carnivores or birds of prey. They're not running things down. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're tracing chemical cues. They're hanging out at a burrow. They're, you know, a lot of them are sitting weight predators. So, so they do just kind of show up um, as opposed to, say, a, a big, you know, carnivore that the primates can see coming and, and kind of have more of a, sometimes more of a, a you know, time Gap mm-hmm. to kind of get away, but primates just kind of pop up. So I've seen this with um, many times with the, the capuchin monkeys I study. And what gen- primates do a couple things. Um, so you have a big group of monkeys. They see someone in the group sees um, sees the, the the snake, and they've got mm-hmm. a really fantastic search image. So actually, um, I've heard a lot of people. This is a little tangent. Heard a lot of people say that when they're following primates. Um, they don't need to worry about snakes because the monkeys are going to see them way before you know the primatologist will. Yeah. That's true, um, really true. Now I I like that just because I get to see the different kinds of snakes. Yeah, so it, exactly. I don't really worry about stepping on a, a crotalus, but um, uh, but you know I, I like to to kind of see what the monkeys find for me, kind of thing. But anyway, the, the groups will do one or two things. They'll they'll um, well usually first they'll mob it, and so this mobbing behavior yeah. is. Is really really interesting to see. So not every single individual in the group, but most of them will come down closer. You know, kind of um, counterintuitive. They'll come down closer to um, the snake, and I've seen them, you know, a meter off the ground, and say there's a, a crotalus um, uh, on the on the ground, mm-hmm. perfect camouflage and the leaf litter. And sometimes it takes me like 20 minutes to find the, the damn thing because I'm kind of triangulating <laughs> with all these you know mobbing, screaming monkeys, and I can't see. I'm sure they're seeing something. I can't find it. Right. Um, so I'm getting closer and closer. All the monkeys are around, but but so what that does is it alerts everyone in the group, obviously, that there's something there that's that's potentially bad. So they mm-hmm. do it with cats, they do it with you know birds of prey, and many primates have different calls for different general classes of, of predators, which is really interesting. Really? Um, yeah. So they'll they'll um, typically have a um, like a terrestrial uh, big cat predator call. They'll have an aerial aerial call. So if one of the monkeys gives that kind of call, they'll all look up instead of looking down, um, you know, those kinds of things. So, so yeah, they'll, they'll mob it. Now, they, they usually don't mm-hmm. touch it. There's some really cool, interesting stuff, um, some video out there with orangutans kind of pulling snakes out of, you know, off of branches and dropping them and actually you know, touching them or breaking the branch and having them drop so it gets farther away from them. But um, wow. the monkeys that I watch, will um, they don't throw anything at them. They'll break 
they'll break sticks as part of a, a general display, so sometimes it looks like they're kind of aiming, but they just kind of go over something and break a branch, and so it falls. Okay. Um, you know, the funny thing I always think about from the other side of it is that, of course, you know, snakes don't have any external ear openings, so they can't hear all the, you know, screaming monkeys around. They right. can sense the vibrations, I'm sure, or something, if they're close right. enough. But the, it's not going to make the, the snake move at all. Um Unless it gets, you know, hit repeatedly with some, some branches and might get, you know, might wake up and leave. So, so yeah, they'll do that, but eventually they'll move on. Now, if it's a really big, you know, I've seen a group of capuchins, which are, you know, 8-pound monkeys, 10-pound monkeys, the mm-hmm. biggest, um, say, an average group of 15 to 20, um, encounter a really uh, nice, probably 10-foot uh, boa. Um, and, and that was pretty interesting to see. It was at a water hole, um, and so the boa was kind of in lying in damp uh, earth um, on a very hot Costa Rican day, um, and, the, and the primates were there. Now, you'd think, you know, something like that. And, and at the park where, where I saw this, um, there have been uh, firsthand accounts of a boa, you know, mid-meal with a capuchin monkey, so they are taken. Um, but they don't initially leave. They'll mob it, and they'll come closer, and they'll, they'll look around at each other. They have alarm calls, um, and then they'll, if it's something that big, they'll take off pretty quickly. Wow. Um, so. Yeah, it's neat to see. So they're not originally afraid of it. They recognize it, let everybody else know it's there, and they're like, okay, what do we do now? Are we going to run it off, or are we going to take off? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you could say maybe they're, yeah, they're recognizing something in the environment that's not good. Now, is that hardwired in their little brains, or is it learned when they're infants on mom? You know, they've got this really extended development. They learn what to eat. They learn what to avoid. They learn what branches are good to, you know, the whole thing. Right, right. And they also learn about stuff that, you know, from the time they're born, they hear these alarm calls and have that context and, and figure out that, oh, this is bad. Now, you know, again, that gets back to the whole, originally, the evolution of this reaction of, of having a an right. fear. You show there's all these studies with captive and some stuff in the wild, which is really neat, of, you know, putting a plastic snake out there and seeing what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's sometimes very different reactions when it's actually, you know, a live moving snake that seems to... to in my experience, get a little more of a fiercer reaction. So when something's on the move, um, sure. it's a little more serious. But but yeah, I, don't, I I really don't know. I think it's um, you know like a lot of things, a combination of, of nature and nurture, and that these things are are so complexly intertwined that it's really hard to tease apart. Um, you know, the smoking gun. I, I think it's this complex interaction of all these all these things in. in you know, evolutionary history that have led to the behaviors we see today. So okay, now moving on to the human primate, and I know that's going to freak some people out that I just said that you know humans are <laughs> apes, but whatever, get over it. Hey man, anyway. it's a taxonomic order, you know. <laughs> Welcome to biology one hundred and one. Exactly. <laughs> now moving on to the human primate, would you say it's more of a nurture thing with uh, with us, or is it more of a nature thing? In in your opinion. Yeah, this is where, I mean, I can see, like, at a species level, population level, kind of these evolved strategies, um, and mm-hmm. particularly what we were talking about in the first part of this call, um, you right. know, how there's there's something in there that, like, you know, oh, crap, you know, what is that kind of a, a reaction? Now, personally, I've never felt that. So, I, you know, even when I see a viper in the wild, I, I you know, I'm not, I'm not scared. It's not, you know, so personally, it's hard for me to kind of... Um, rectify my situation with you know growing up seeing friends mm-hmm. whose whose moms would would 
yank them away and go, oh my God, it's a snake. You know, that, that kind of sudden thing that, you know, kids pick up on, right. of course, from, from parents, even you know, tightening of the hand or something like, oh, something's wrong, what's going on? Right. You know, I never had that. So I think that's that plays a large part in, in structuring at an individual level how people respond to snakes, you know, or learn to when they're when they're growing up. Mm-hmm. Now, um, being in some of the... Um Developing countries, like you've said, what are some of the legends uh, that you've heard about snakes, if any? Well, Central America, there aren't too many legends. You know, the, the, you know serpents and snakes, they, they have a, a large part to play in um, a lot of the, the mythologies of indigenous populations. Mm-hmm. Um, in Costa Rica, most of the indigenous populations have been wiped out, so there aren't that many. Right. But I know they're, um, you know, Amazon Indians, I mean, they're, they're always, you know, either there's something... Um, you know, kind of mis- mischievous or evil or a symbol of fertility, you know, for obvious reasons. Right. Um, so right. there's always <laughs> those kinds of overlapping things. And then, you know, in all the major kind of non-Western religions, you've got right. snakes as part of sometimes these origin myths, you know, like in Christianity, you know, Adam and Eve and the serpent and all of that. And so right. that's a theme that's, that's really interesting from a, you know, cultural anthropology perspective. Um, right. So, yeah, personal, you know, kind of where I work, um, basically, I don't hear a lot of that kind of rich religious or spiritual or mythological context from Mm -hmm. just daily interactions with people. But but generally, people in, you know, rural areas um, in the tropics, if they see a snake near their house, will kill it. um, Because, again, you know, it, it could potentially bite their kids or, you know, whatever. You just don't, you don't want to mess with it. So... It's sometimes, you know, difficult for people to, uh, if they're not used to, you know, seeing a, a guy with a machete, <laughs> you know, yeah. a, a snake um, the second you, you see it. Uh, but, you know, in that context and, and being there, that's what people do. Right, right. Now, um, as far as talking about uh, cultural and uh, religious aspects of it, you did bring up the Adam and Eve thing. And I've always been curious as to, you know, I wonder... And it's just on a personal level. I wonder if that's like a motivating factor for you know because a lot of the European, I guess, based uh, individuals in the in the states are uh-huh. you know basically have sure. you know that same similar background of you know what I'm saying about the uh, whole right. Adam and Eve you know snake is evil thing. Yeah. And I've actually uh, had somebody bring that up in a, in uh, one of our other calls. And uh, someone brought it to my attention that the actual Hebrew uh, translation has nothing to do with the serpent. Huh. It says something about, you know, snake-like or serpent-like, but it doesn't actually say it is a serpent. Now, whether that's true or not, I'd be very interested to find out. But what is your take on that? Do you think that religion has a major part to play in our um, fear of snakes, as it were? Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I think it, it certainly does, you know, even if someone's an atheist, but they grow up in this, this cultural context right. of, of going to Sunday school, you know, or whatever, and they're, they're hearing these stories, um, sure, I think that, that definitely, I mean, that's that's part of, again, that kind of cultural reinforcement of, of this fear thing that, you know, may or may not have any, you know, direct, you know, Biological bases in that person's brain. I don't. I don't know. But um, right. but sure. Yeah. I think that's that's a very good um, that's a very good point. It probably even if you don't think it influences you growing up, you know, it probably it probably did. Right. Right. 
Now, have you seen um, any any changes or anything, um, any major differences between you know more or less people fearing uh, or having a fear of snakes uh, based on socioeconomical standards at all? a lot, you know, so many okay. things and, ex- and exposure, so mm-hmm. so, I mean, I don't um, have any data on this myself, but right. I, I would not be surprised if um, you know, there's a socioeconomic factor in terms of just access to field trips to zoos and, you know, enrichment programs in schools and nature and biology programs and all those kinds of things, so um, yeah, I mean, it, it's also... <clears throat> You know, you have kids. Little little kids are you know in their little primate group. Pick up on on kind of the the, the norms of the group and, and right. react, and scream or giggle or whatever if, if everyone else is doing that. Um, and I, I you know, when I was I was one of those weird kids that, that would bring my pet snakes you know to show and tell in grade school. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> and I think from a young age I've always wanted to kind of share that. And my best friend and you know. Growing up in in grade school, um, she's now a herpetologist. You know, we used to collect encinitas and everything. You know, <laughs> in our nice. backyard, uh, portrayed the snaps out of the pool. Yeah, you know, the whole thing. Like growing up, <laughs> so we always have these jars and tanks, and and in addition to our mammal pets, you know, so it was always just part of the continuum. So I couldn't understand why, um, you know, some some kids had this reaction. I was just puzzled by it because it just didn't. You know, I didn't have any. It didn't resonate with me because I didn't understand right. it. So I would take these, you know, into show and tell. And, and you know, even now, funny story, it, it, um, I was at the St. Louis Zoo a few months ago <clears throat> and um, was in the, the Serpentarium, um, which is right next to the primate house. I always found that funny. But I was in there and, you know, there's kids, a whole bunch of school kids in there running around and, and there was a beautiful, I think it was an emerald tree bow or something, just really stunning, you know, striking, gorgeous oh, colors nice. and everything. And there was a little girl, um, probably like eight, nine, ten, something like that, and uh-huh. she you know, runs up to the thing, she's like, ew, gross! I'm like, isn't it beautiful? Just kind of reaction, because I just have to flip it, you know? Yeah. And just, and she kind of looked at me like I was an alien, and, you know, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, what? Beautiful and that together in the same. Well, she just kind of you know took off, but yeah. I, I still try to. It's it's the way things are framed and presented. So, um, you know, uh, outreach and, and education programs are you know crucial for that kind of thing. And just experience, you know, touching a snake and finding out it's not slimy, and you know, all, all those kinds of things that you do with kids. Um, especially if you have a really nice, you know, docile, slow-moving constrictor. Those guys are, I think, the best instead of a fast spastic you know king snake or something if, if you've got something that's right that's just sitting there um and they can approach it and the snake doesn't jerk around and react then i think that's a um a good entree into it but yeah i mean i, I would certainly expect to see a link between you know access to those kinds of you know encounters and mm-hmm. um and 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 fear keeping the fear or maintaining the fear right right now what's because um, working in education yourself and you know I know this uh, was a particular topic we were planning on but what is the best way do you think because I'm sure you're well aware of all the legislation that's going around about the large boas with the legislation of the large boas and things of that nature what's your take on that um, you mean against them as pets right yeah I mean you know, like so many things, it, it comes down to responsible and 
being educated about your what you decide to keep. You know, you particularly probably know. You know, there are a lot of um, <laughs> careful with my language here. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people that perhaps maybe shouldn't be keeping what they're keeping. Um, exactly. And there is that kind of, especially with you know, and a lot of my. I have a lot of female herpetology friends, but a lot of the guys are into the macho thing, like, oh, look at how many, you know, badass snakes I can keep and, oh, and all that. Um, so, you know, for those kinds of people, it might be good, but I, I would resist and, and not feel comfortable with that kind of legislation. Um, although, you know, Florida, I don't know, Florida with the, the Burmese going crazy, although they are, you know, freezing every winter, which is nice, but right, the ones right. that, you know, people get them, they don't know what they're getting, they dump them, and then they're eating, you know, little poodles, of course, and so that's a problem, and also, I'm being kind of flip with this, but also the, you know, more um, extensive problem of those big guys getting out and doing really well in that tropical environment is going after the um, native species, and so... right. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's a little bit of an overreaction, a knee-jerk, um, okay. because the problem isn't as, from my understanding from herpetologist, isn't as extensive as it's portrayed and blown up in the media, maybe. Um, right. You know, so and last winter, I think, um, you know, there were some freezes, and I think that got a lot of the, they found a few big adults and things. So, you know, but, it, you know, it, it is very interesting that these, you know, the Burmese particularly, I think reticulated too, but Burmese can just get out there and they can breed. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, the, I think where legislation should, you know, be enforced is with illegal pet trade and illegal collections. So right. that, I think, would serve better the natural populations of reptiles and also the, the humans that, or protect humans from getting access to them. Okay. Now, uh, as far as from a media standpoint, what let's say you were being um, interviewed by you know someone in a large media corporation as far as you know these uh, you know killer snakes that are you know taking over Florida. Now, what? It, why is it? Do you think that the media twists these things around to make them out to be such you know basically demonize the animals yeah. instead of the owners, which are the humans? Yeah. Again, you know, it's sensationalist copy, right? So it grabs attention. It gets it gets people excited and interesting, um, okay. or interested. You know, gets you to click on their site or read their paper or whatever. So you know, it's a big scary thing out there, and it, it strikes at those you know those fears and those mm-hmm. just those nerves that people have. Um, you know, same with mountain lion stuff. Um, right. You know, um, and yeah, it certainly demonizes the animals. These you know. You know, you go from a pet, little cute two-foot Burmese baby to this big you know, thing that people can't handle and don't know how to feed and freak out, and then they, they stop handling it, so especially pythons get, you know, bitchy and nippy, and so right. it just perpetuates that, and then they get dumped. So, it, it, again, you know, educating kind of responsible journalism would um, mm-hmm. be really good, you know, like stuff you're doing, just like getting, a, you know, a good kind of calm voice and reasoned voice out there with, with facts and instead of, you know, just kind of counter some of that stuff. But yeah, you can't go against Fox or CNN, you know, if they've yeah. got a story like that. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because it came out later, you know, uh, once all the legislation started with the, the little girl that was unfortunately um, killed yeah. by the boyfriend's python or whatever, 
I guess it came out later that, you know, the python wasn't even secured properly in its enclosure. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's like, wow, yeah, this is like months later. Idiocy you know. of, of that, you know, I'm sure. Yeah. Tragic, and he's, you know, it's going to haunt him, and he's going to live with it forever. But to not secure that, I mean, it's, you know, it's like having a a non-secured and non-locked loaded shotgun, you know, right. with a two-year-old playing with it. So it's just... Exactly. Again, irresponsible, and, and, it, and it gives, you know, pet owners that do take care of their animals well and are really interested in them and, and are educated about them, it gives them a bad name, too, because they're kind of pegged with all those people. So. Right, right. Now, uh, just in closing, is there any research projects or anything that you have going on that you wanted to uh, let us know about? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, well, I'm actually heading to Africa to check out a new site, which I'm really excited about. I've never been to Africa. Okay. So, first time on the continent, and first time, um, obviously, in the country of Zambia, which is where I'm going, and Botswana a little bit. So, I'm going to check out a, a new site, <clears throat> potentially for field schools to take students, um, but also maybe for research there as well. So, most of my stuff is Central and South America, um, and will remain there, um, but okay. I'm really excited to, to check out Africa, and, you know, I've got my herb list ready, so... Awesome. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, won't run into the Gabon Viper too closely, but... That, you, yeah, you know, those, no, those are a little unnerving for me, you know? Yeah, little, it's too much paper for me. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, they look great behind the glass, though. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, I'll, I'll take my camera, um, as always. So, so yeah, Africa's coming up, but then um, I return to Central America this summer, and then um, I also did a... Uh, month-long trip to Colombia and South America last fall, and I'm going to follow up on, on that possibility, too, of kind of checking out a new site there. So, Very cool. But basically, yeah, it comes down to uh, most of my stuff is the genus Cebus, capuchin monkeys, mm -hmm. and particularly I look at infant and juvenile social development uh, okay. in the wild. And so I'm interested in kind of cross-species comparisons within the genus um, and just kind of looking at, at some of the factors that affect development of, of social behavior, so... Very cool. Well, uh, once again, we're on the line with uh, Katie, uh, Dr. Katie McKinnon um, talking about the fear of snakes. And uh, Katie, we look forward to uh, having you back on the show uh, sometime in the future to talk about primates and you know some type of snake encounter that uh, happens in the wild while you're out there. Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there you have it. That was Dr. Katie McKinnon and talking about the fear of snakes. And once again, uh, thank you to Dr. McKinnon, and we are brought to you, of course, by Las Vegas Reptile Expo, uh, occurring at the Santa Fe uh, Hotel and Casino there in Las Vegas, Nevada, on March 14th and 15th. Don't need a better excuse to go to Vegas, do you folks? You got gambling, you got bar hopping, you got the clubs, now you can buy reptiles. Get out and see the show. A lot of awesome breeders there. Uh, we went last year, it was a great show, um, and it promises to be getting better every year. So do us a favor, check us, check them out, GetReptiles.com, Las Vegas Reptile Expo, Santa Fe Hotel and Casino, March 14th and 15th in Las Vegas. We'll see you at the show. Mm -hmm.